0: welcome to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. I am your host, Gabriel Russo. This is the show where we profile the biggest stars of the silent era, the most glamorous starlets, their lives, their foibles. I love that word. Anyway, this week, it's Marion Davies. Come right back after this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, by now, we're getting a bit used to winter. We're like soldiers in the middle of a campaign. for Olga Cole. You have downloaded, obviously, you know you have downloaded Hollywood Scandals of yesteryear. Once again, I am your host Gabe Russo, Gabriel Russo. This week we are profiling Marion Davies, one of the biggest, well, one of the big she was a big star, but one of the biggest personalities really from from back in this uh, the silent era time that we're talking about. She was an actress and she was a pretty big star. But uh, really today she's more remembered for being William Randolph Hearst's mistress for many, many years and for hosting the most lavish parties that Hollywood had seen, you know, probably maybe has ever seen. Who knows? But she was born, Marion Davies was born, Marion Cecilia Doris, January 3rd, 1897 in Brooklyn. Youngest of five children. The uh, sisters all changed their last name to Davies. Because which one of them spotted on a real estate agent's sign in the neighborhood. Even though New York was a melting pot for immigrants, if you had a British surname, it uh, it really helped you out. And Davies uh, is a Welsh name. She was educated in a convent. She left school to pursue her career and worked as a chorus girl in Broadway reviews. In 1916, Davies was signed on as a Ziegfeld girl in the Ziegfeld Follies. She made her screen debut modeling gowns that were designed by the Lady Duff Gordon in a fashion newsreel, which I guess I never thought of those types of things, but that makes sense that they would have not only newsreels and, and, you know, features and shorts and that kind of thing, but also, like, fashion and, and what's going on, cultural type things, just to keep people, to bring the country a little more you know a little more closely together uh well she appeared in her first feature film in 1917 uh this is a movie that she wrote <laughs> it was directed by her brother-in-law who was a prominent broadway producer george Lederer. the following year 1918 she uh stars in two films 1918 she meets william randolph hearst for the first time and soon after stars in cecilia of the pink roses which uh, is the first film backed by Hearst. Hearst starts the production company or the movie studio Cosmopolitan Productions to promote Davies' career and also moved her with her mother and sisters into an elegant Manhattan townhouse. So in New York, she's in New York City. Now William Randolph Hearst is married. But anyhow, Davies is on her way to being the most Infamously advertised actress in the world During the next 10 years She appears in 29 films An average of 3 films a year So she worked But she didn't I mean that's a lot But she didn't work as much As some of these other people We've heard about (laughs) One of her most known roles Was Mary Tudor In When Knighthood was in Flower In 1922 By the mid-1920s Her career was often overshadowed By her relationship with Hearst and their social life. He had a house at San Simeon and a, uh, an ocean house in Santa Monica, uh, which was later dubbed by Colleen Moore to be, quote, The biggest house on the beach, the beach between San Diego and Vancouver. According to her own diaries... She met Hearst long before she started working in films. I had read that she met him in 1918 right before. Hearst later formed Cosmopolitan Pictures would produce most of her starring vehicles. His relentless efforts to promote her career actually had the adverse effect, but he persisted anyway. You know, she's trying to cram, he's trying to cram her down people's throats, probably putting her in pictures that she wasn't right for. Cosmopolitan Pictures had deals with Paramount, Goldwyn, and Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer for production, I mean, for distribution. Davies herself was more inclined to want to work at United Artists and develop her comic talents along with her friends. But Hearst pointedly discouraged this. In her published memoirs, entitled The Times We Had, concluded that Hearst's over-the-top promotion of her career had a negative result. For example, in 1929, he purchased the Cameo Theater in San Francisco. He lavishly remodeled both the exterior and the interior in a rosebud-hued art modern motif and renamed it the Marion Davies Theater. From his office windows further up the street, he could see pink neon letters constantly spelling out her name above the marquee. So he was obviously a crazy person. Metro um, Metrotone newsreels were included on the program And these newsreels regularly touted Miss Davies' social activities So there's some new newsreels that we were just talking about He loved, this is Hearst Loved seeing her in expensive costume, like period pictures She wanted to be a comedian And liked yucking it up with her friends But he wanted her to be in these lavish, you know, costume uh, numbers She also did appear in contemporary comedies like Tilly the Toiler and The Fair Co-Ed, both in 1927, and three directed by King Vidor, Not So Dumb, The Patsy, and Show People in 1928. Not So Dumb was 1930. The Patsy contains her imitations, which she usually did for friends, of silent stars Lillian Gish, May Murray, and Paula Nigri. King Vidor saw Davies as a comedic actress instead of the, the dramatic actress that Hearst wanted her to be. He noticed that she was the life of the party, and incorporated that into his films. Those were some of her most popular films. After seeing photographs of St. Donut's Castle in Country Life magazine, the Welsh Vale of Glamorgan property was bought by Hearst and revitalized in 1925 as a gift to Marianne Davy. Hearst and Davy spent much of their time entertaining and holding lavish parties with guests at the Beverly Hills estate. Frequent guests included... Charlie Chaplin, Douglas Fairbanks, a young JFK. Upon visiting St. Donat's, George Bernard Shaw was quoted as saying, This is what God would have built if he had had the money. Now, with the coming of sound films, Davies was a little bit nervous because um, she had a stutter and she had never quite overcome it. Her career continued, however, most probably because she had incredible backing from her uh, crazy knucklehead rich boyfriend, and she made several comedies and musicals during the 30s. Um, She worked with, you know, with Bing Crosby, with Clark Gable, uh, with Leslie Howard, with Gary Cooper. She was involved in many aspects of her films and considered to be an astute businesswoman. Her career, however, was hampered by Hearst's insistence that she play distinguished dramatic parts as opposed to the comic roles that were her forte so he wanted her a certain way is what it seems like and he sounds like a very controlling person Hearst reportedly had tried to push Irving Thalberg to cast Davies in the title role Marie Antoinette but Thalberg gave the part to his wife Norma Shearer this came right after her being denied the role in the Barretts of Wimpole Street Norma Shearer got that role too despite Davies' friendship with the Thalbergs Hearst reacted angrily and pulled his support for MGM and uh, moved Cosmopolitan Pictures to Warner Brothers. That's where Davies would finish her film career, at Warner Brothers. So, you know, he took all this stuff very personally, really probably hurt her career more than he helped it in the long run. When Cosmopolitan Pictures folded, Davies left the film business entirely and retreated to San, San Simeon. She later stated in her biog- in her autobiography that after many years of work, uh, she had had enough and she wanted to devote herself to being, quote, Hearst's companion and confidant. In truth, she was intensely ambitious, but faced the harsh reality-, reality that at the age of 40, after 20 years of effort, she had not really won everyone over and not even the critics who were under Hearst's control. However, after she died, as is the case many times, her career is now looked upon with more appreciation, especially her comedies. Uh, she had a real knack for comedy, apparently. In her later years, Davies was involved in charity work. In 1952, she donated $1.9 million to establish the Children's Clinic at UCLA. She fought childhood diseases through the Marion Davies Foundation. And the medical center at UCLA is named the Marion Davies Clinic. She suffered a minor stroke in 1956 and underwent surgery on her jawbone for osteomyelitis, whatever that is, my goodness. Twelve days after the operation, Davies fell and broke her leg. She made her last public appearance on January 10, 1960 in a television special entitled Hedda Hopper's Hollywood. Joseph P. Kennedy rented Davies' mansion and worked from behind the scenes to secure JFK's nomination during the 1960 Democratic National Convention in Los Angeles. It wasn't long after that that she was diagnosed with stomach cancer. I believe she passed away. uh, Stomach cancer September 22, 1961 in her home in Hollywood, California. Her funeral was attended by 200 people and many many celebrities, including Mary Pickford, uh, Buddy Rogers, Mrs. Clark Gable, Johnny Weissmuller, he played uh, Tarzan and was an Olympian, I believe. She's buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery and left an estimated estate valued at $20 million. Now, I wonder if that was all from her films, which didn't sound like she was as successful as some, or if that was money that she got from Hearst as well. Now, Hearst, now Hearst had been married the whole time they were together, like I said. Uh, his wife refused to give him a divorce. At one point, they came close to getting married, but he decided that the settlement demands were too high. Hearst was extremely jealous and possessive, even though he was married the whole time. Lita Gray, the second wife of Charlie Chaplin, wrote that Davies confided, she wrote this 40 years later, that Davies confided about her relationship with Hearst, and saying that she really, I'm going to paraphrase it, but that she really wanted to marry him it wasn't because he was so had so much money, or because he's such good company, and it wasn't because he was so wonderful behind the barn, which means in bed, I guess. It was because he made her feel like he was like she was worth something to him, and so she wanted to marry him, but it was just not to be. He's kind, he's good to me, and I'd never walk out on him, is what she said. By the late 1930s, Hearst was suffering financial reversals, and he sold Saint Donat's Castle. Davies bailed him out and wrote him a check for a million dollars. Hearst died in 1951. When he died, oh, 51% of his fortune was bequeathed to Davies. And so there you have it. Now, a rumor that persisted for a long time was that they had a child together, a woman named Patricia Lake. And then Patricia Lake was identified as Davies' niece at the time, was raised by Davies' sister Rose, and passed off as Rose and George Van Cleve's daughter, Patricia Van Cleve. Now, when she was 11, supposedly, now, Patricia Lake, uh, the daughter, the supposed, the rumored daughter, she died in 1993 from lung cancer. Ten hours before her death, she requested that her that her son publicly announce that she was Davies and Hearst's daughter. When she was 11 years old, Davies told her that she was about her true parentage, and Hearst confirmed it on her wedding day at seventeen, when she was given away at her wedding. Neither Hearst nor Davies ever publicly addressed the rumors during their lives, and Hearst Castle, upon news of the story, commented, It's a very old rumor, and a rumor is all it ever was. But it sounds to me like she was. I don't know if that ever came to fruition like with you know, money wise or or somebody suing somebody down the road. Now, Marion Davies also, we went over her once earlier in the podcast uh, during the Tom Ince scandal. She was involved in November 1924. Davies was aboard Hearst's yacht, the Oneida, for a weekend party that uh, resulted in the death of film producer Tom Ince. Rumors endured that uh, Davies had a relationship with Charlie Chaplin, who was also on the boat. Hearst was enraged, shot at Chaplin, missed, and shot Tom Ince by mistake. Then covered it up and, say, and said that he had a heart attack. The autopsy showed that Ince died of acute indigestion. He was put on a train. He was taken off the boat and put on a train bound, you know, for the hospital for LA, but was removed from the train at Del Mar when he got worse. He was taken to his home where he died the next day of a heart condition and so that has always been and they made movies about that there's a play and a movie called the cat's meow i've talked about it a couple of times before so yeah that uh that's the big rumor the two big kind of i don't even know if they're scandals really it would have been a scandal the patricia Patricia lake situation would have been a scandal at the time but uh it was it was never talked about i guess 11 weeks and one day after hearst died davies married horace brown In 1951 in in Las Vegas, it was not a happy marriage, and Davies filed for divorce twice, but was neither finalized. Brown admitted that he treated her badly. I'm a beast, he said. I took him back. I don't know why, she explained. I guess it's because he's standing right beside me crying. Thank God we all have a sense of humor. And like I said, Davies died of stomach cancer in 1961. The rumors of the Tom and Scandal, like I said, were dramatized in the Cat's meow. Kirsten Dunst plays uh, Marion Davies in that. Al Stewart recorded a song in the 70s called Marion the Chatelaine about Davies. Patty Hearst, daughter of William Randolph Hearst and certified whack job herself. uh, No. She wrote a book. She co-authored a novel in 1996 entitled Murder at San Simeon, based upon the death of Tom Entz where Davies is referenced in that I'm sure a lot now Davies another big rumor was that Orson Wells based one of the characters in Citizen Kane on uh well Citizen Kane is apparently based on the story of William Randolph Hearst's life pardon me it's loosely based but he denied this is uh, uh, uh Orson Wells denied that it was that the that Susan was Kane's Susan was Kane's wife and Marion was Hearst's mistress. They had There were lots of other differences. Theirs is a love story, he said, and love is not the subject of Citizen Kane. So a lot of times people take, okay, it may have been based on this, but it wasn't really based on it. He just got maybe the idea from, you know, a particular aspect of something. Or In 2001, uh, Captured on Film, the true story of Marion Davies, premiered on Turner Movie Classics. You can still catch that on there from time to time, I'm sure. Or download it, probably find it on YouTube. And in 2004, the story of William Randolph Hearst and Marianne Davies was made into a musical entitled W.R. and Daisy. It was performed also in 2004, 2009, and 2010 at the Annenberg Beach House in Santa Monica, which was the estate built by Hearst for Davies in the 1920s. Then in 1979, The Jerk, the Steve Martin comedy, the uh, love interest of the tycoon protagonist is largely modeled after Davies and her fictional ca- counterpart Susan Alexander from Citizen Kane. But people by then were mostly going on the Citizen Kane part and not, and so it's really not based on Marion Davies at all. Davies was portrayed by Virginia Madsen in a telefilm in 1985 called The Hearst and Davies Affair with Robert Mitchum as, as Hearst. And Madsen became a, a fan of Davies through this filming and said that she or later became a film a fan and said that she felt that she had inadvertently portrayed her as a stereotype rather than as a real person and that if she had known more about her at the time she probably you know would have had a, a different portrayal of her Heather McNair portrayed Davies in Chaplin 1992 Gretchen Mall portrayed Davies in Cradle Will Rock 1999 and Kirsten Dunst in the Cats Meow, 2001, Melanie Griffith portrayed Davies in RKO 281 in the year 2000. RKO 281 is a dramatization of the events during and after production of Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Filmography runs from 1917 to her last, well, her last silent film in 1929, but her last sound film in 1937. So, 20 year run. And that is going to be, that's going to do it for our Marion Davies episode. I usually stay away from kind of the bigger, bigger known, the more, the really more well known people because then I tend to get emails like, you forgot this, or you didn't mention that, or you got this wrong. But, mm. so like I said, I don't typically, you know, do the biggies, although I will. I'll get to, I'll, I'll probably get to all of them by at some point. I thank you for downloading, I thank you for listening. Please go to iTunes and leave a review, but only if it's a good review. <laughs> um, if it's a bad review, that'll be just be our little secret. You can follow me on Twitter, at GRusso1971. I tweet out, you know, when the new episodes are up. Check out some art on Facebook.com slash art. Please go to Potomatic.com. For all your podcasting needs. Speaking of which, this episode was a little later uh, in than usual in coming out because I had to actually wait a week because three weeks into my month I had so many listeners that I ran out of bandwidth. I am currently looking for a job. I graduated college last month and I am currently looking for work, but right now I cannot afford to go pro on the uh, on the thing. So I will go pro and get more bandwidth and more storage capacity as soon as i get a job and get a paycheck and uh and catch up some overdue bills it won't be the first thing i do but it might be the third or fourth thing i do and then there won't be any any delays but i do appreciate the only time that i had bandwidth issues before was i had one day where i couldn't i had one day when it was kind of touch and go and i thought i might if you reach 100 percent of your bandwidth then people click on it and nothing happens it doesn't play and so this is the first time that that's ever happened. It's three weeks in, instead of uh, instead of just a month, so that's fantastic. Unfortunately, you know that means no new shows for you guys until it resets on June 14th, which is when hopefully you'll hear this. But once again, I have been your host, Gabriel Russo. I thank you very much for listening. It's so cool. And uh if you want to podcast, if you want to talk about anything or babble about anything, just go to Potomatic and make a podcast. You can email me at G period A period Russo R U S S O one nine seven one at gmail dot com. Please do. It tickles me no end when I see uh messages. So Anyway, thanks for listening, and have a good one. Tune in next week on Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear.